appreciate it particularly Brother Johnny's testimony and it always is so if God calls you to preach it doesn't seem like it matters where you're at or how old you get or how weak you get the preacher's still in you Amen. I mean it's still there and you, you, there's a reality in knowing God I appreciate that Amen. I want to go to the 6th verse the 17th chapter of John this is Jesus' prayer of intercession for his people and read down to it including the 19th verse he's saying here I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world thine they were and thou gavest me them and they have kept thy word now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee they have believed that thou didst send me I pray for them I pray not for the world but for them which thou hast given me for they are thine all mine are thine and thine are mine and I am glorified in them now I'm no more in the world but these are in the world and I come to thee Holy Father keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are Father we thank you tonight for your manifestation and for your presence we thank you because of the revelation of who you are we thank you master because you abide in us you're with us your words resound and echo father against the highest hills in this world you tell us you're with us always, even until the end. Father, we're thankful because we have a prayer. Prayer was prayed for us. Now, Father, we stand tonight again, recognizing the awesome responsibility, yet recognizing your greatness. Father, come and breathe upon your word. Make it become alive. And we honor you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to talk tonight about turkeys. Not the kind that go gobble gobble. But how many of you have ever been called a turkey? Huh? Mm -hmm. Let's see your hands. How many have ever been called a turkey? Well, you that haven't, I'm going to call you one tonight. Is that all right? Now, how many times have you actually ever heard the statement like, Oh man, that guy is a real turkey. Uh, that seems to be a byword, or, or my Lord, what, what a turkey that guy is. I heard that one time, and I was, I was challenged by it. What, what is a turkey? You know, I know what they are, the, the fowls, uh, but what, why, why are they calling somebody a turkey? Now, there's no definition in Webster's Dictionary for turkey, but I suppose it might be something like this. Somebody that doesn't remotely fill the bill. Or maybe a person that looks like a square peg in a round hole. Or something like that. Now, what I'm trying to say is we get the picture. Actually, when somebody calls somebody else a turkey. Actually, it's somebody that doesn't fit the bill. It's odd. That looks out of place wherever they're at and whatever they do or whatever they say. 
I thought, when I looked at that, I thought, well, I, now I know what a turkey is. And I identify with that because I'm one. And if you're actually a child of God, living your life the way you ought to be living it, then by the world's definition, that's what you are too. Right. You're kind of like a square peg in a round hole in this world. You're kind of like somebody that doesn't remotely feel the bill on what you're trying to do. Amen? Amen. Have you noticed the chapter we just read? Jesus knows that he's headed for his death in Jerusalem. And he's grown to love this group of people and group of men that he shared his life with for three years and a half. And he's worried about what's going to happen to them. And so he prays probably one of the most touching and one of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible. I think sometimes when I get weary, when I get lonely or when I get disturbed, I like to turn to the 17th chapter of John and I like to read the prayer that Jesus prayed because I realize it was prayed for me too. Right. And it was a beautiful, touching prayer. Not only did he ask God to keep them, but he commended them in there for their actions and for their spirit. In effect, he gave God thanks for who they were right. and for who he had. Now let's look at what Jesus gave thanks for. And maybe we can identify with what I'm trying to say. He gave God thanks for Peter. I want you to look at Peter. Big, impetuous, acted on his emotions, putting his mouth and his fist and the sword into action before engaging his brain. And yet, Jesus gave God thanks for Peter. Now, I don't know if there's any Peters in this congregation or not, but I suspect there are. I know probably I can identify with Peter. There's times when uh, I put actions and mouth and fist and gear and brain hasn't been engaged yet. In other words, I'm saying things and I don't even know what I'm saying and things probably that are not meant to say. Now, Peter's the one that blurts out, Thou art the Christ the son of the living God, when he asked, who do men say that I am? And a lot of people said, well, some say you're Elias, and some say you're John the Baptist, and all of that. But Peter stood up, big, impetuous man, stood up and had a word. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. Hallelujah. Those were momentous words. Those are words that have stood the sands of time. Hallelujah. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, thou art Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against Amen. Now when you look at somebody like this man, who later denied Jesus in the face of almost everything and everybody, denied him three times and even cursed, and said, I don't know who he is, and you stand with man's ideas and opinion, and look at him, you wonder what kind of a turkey it was that Jesus picked out. But you recognize what Jesus sees. It's not what looks on the outside. And Jesus doesn't measure us by the standards and the yardstick that the world measures us with. He don't see us for what we are. He don't see us for the mistakes we make. He sees us for what he can take and put in his arms and his hands and make out of us. Hallelujah. And what we can do through him. We have to recognize that there's not one thing that we can do without Jesus. 
And there he was standing there, and Jesus was praying for him and giving thanks to God for him and, and just uh, really telling God how much he appreciated these individuals. I want you to look at James and John, sons of Zebedee, left your father in the boat and went off with an evangelist called Jesus. You ever look at these things the way they're supposed to be? Then they argue among themselves about who's going to be the greatest, the height of irresponsibility and selfishness. And when you look out, they were turkeys. I mean, in the highest sense, they were turkeys. Jesus was choosing them to do something that they was the remotest possibility that they could fulfill what he wanted and yet in his prayer he was giving thanks for those that had followed him. Now they had manifested very little as far as manifesting their life. But Jesus knew something the world didn't know. Amen. He knew their abilities and he knew they only needed the power of the Holy Ghost in their life in order to do the things that he said they was going to have to do. And when you look at Judas, probably the biggest turkey of all is he sells out for a handful of silver. All we've got to do is consider the group as a group. Feed the 5,000, can you imagine? Feed the 5,000, Jesus says, and they respond probably in our everyday language and probably say, Lord, it's supper time. We've just got a couple of bucks to buy a few hamburgers. How about you just uh, command the crowd to go to Hardy's or Pizza Hut or uh, whatever you've got around here, brothers or whatever, just command them to go there and get them something to eat. And Jesus, seeing and knowing he was going to use these individuals, what a bunch of turkeys he had. What a bunch of individuals that could not in any way fill the bill. Look at them there. No Dale Carnegie courses on public speaking at all. And Jesus was telling them he expected them to preach to multitudes. Now friend, I'm not against education and I'm not against schools. I'm not against seminaries or anything like that. But you're not going to win the world by orientation of man's learning. You're not going to reach this world out here that's lost and dying by learning how to talk or learning how to hold your hands, or learning how to be a great orator, or a great public speaker. The only thing that has ever reached the masses is an individual life sold out to Almighty God, healed with the power of the Holy Ghost, under the inspiration of God, with a message on their lips, thank God, for lost in mankind and challenging their lives. Unashamed of who they are and what they are and where they're going, just concerned about one thing, and that's a soul to be brought in to the glorious kingdom of God. Hallelujah, call them churches if you want to, but friend, the world has been salvaged by inspirational preaching of the power of the Holy Ghost. It has turned the world around when nothing else could. It has challenged individuals when the greatest speaker in the world could do of no value. Friend, we need more turkeys in this world under the inspiration of the power of the Holy Ghost that says, I don't care what they say. I don't care what's happening. I have a witness inside of me that will be still. That means the word of God and reality in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah! Glory. I said hallelujah! Glory. And something's stirring and stirring that makes me know that God is the only answer there is. Amen. Oh, sure, I'm so it. I probably 
got as much education in biblical ways of anybody, and I still don't cross my T's, and I still don't dot my I's, and I still don't stand on my bricks, and I still get excited because I realize that it doesn't make any difference how schooled you are in scriptures or how much you know about them or how much you can quote them. The thing that matters is God breathing on them. If they become alive, are they challenging words? Words that reach into the very core and heart of an individual. When the church only built upon the power of God, like, Peter, like Jesus told Peter on this rock, I'll build my church, not upon Peter, but upon the revelation of who he was. I'll build my church. And he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, the church set in motion, and God defied almost anything or anybody. They didn't have any Dale Carnegie courses on public speaking, but yet Jesus was expecting them to reach the multitude. They didn't have any formal training. They didn't have any schooling. They didn't have any seminary experience, and yet God Almighty expected them to teach the people about Him. What had He gathered around Himself? Only a group of fishermen, tax collectors, uh, carpenters, laborers and workers, not a college graduate among them any place. But what he gathered around him was individuals that had followed him, individuals even in their mistakes, individuals in their failures, individuals that went two steps forward and one backwards, but yet individuals that was destined to be great because they were allowing God Almighty to lead them. And He led them to the upper room, filled them with His power, and led them out. And He set on fire the course of hell. And nature itself could not stop the upbuilding of God's kingdom and cause. Right, right. When we are recipients tonight of the grand and glorious power of Almighty God. That same power invested in Peter is invested in us. That same power that rescued John from the tents of burning oil is still around. That same power that caused Peter to look in the face of his tortures and say, crucify me upside down is still around. That same power that enables man to live or die and live it for Jesus is still around. It's a reality. It's been sugar-coated. It's been put down. It's been laughed at. It's tried to be modernized. But friend, I'm here to tell you tonight, it's still a reality. And the only thing that will answer this earth sorry cry. Woo, hallelujah, I can shout. Hallelujah, because I feel something inside here. Hallelujah, so you're a turkey. So I'm a turkey. I don't feel the bills. God only knows there's, there's no way I can feel the bill. As far as education is concerned, as far as the niceties of things of life is concerned, I'm the, probably the least individual Jesus would ever call. Look over my past life, raised in poverty, raised as a backward country boy, didn't even pass speech because I couldn't even get up and, and make a speech in front of my class. We started off with three-minute speeches. I couldn't even get up there. And yet God's hand all the time was there. God's hand was there. I run from it because I said, God, how, how am I ever going to be able to do that? There's no way that I can do it. And friend, 
I stand here tonight like a square peg in a round hole, like the impossibility of impossibilities. And I know when it comes right down to the fact that if I can do something, it's no, 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 a thousand times no. There's nothing this boy can do that been through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I take a back seat to no one when the Holy Ghost and power of God is moving and enthusing and working. Hallelujah, because he, after all, is the one that was destined to preach the message and not man. He only asked for a vessel. He only asked for you and he only asked for me. And friend, listen. This individual that indwells us has got more training and knows more words than the highest graduated individual there is in this world. But friend, he's not interested in words that people don't know anything about. He's interested in something that could reach into the lowest heart and turn it around and challenge it and make it stand up in a lost and dying world. Hallelujah. Like something out of place and say, I'm going to be used of the Lord. He called them. He wasn't against the educators, but they wasn't listening. He wasn't against those uh, that, that had degrees, but they wasn't listening. He was surrounding himself with individuals that wanted to listen. He was surrounding himself with individuals that knew whatever they did had to be something else besides them. Amen. I've seen ministers that wouldn't have to worry about prayer, wouldn't have to worry about study. They have the ability to stand and speak to a crowd. And so they don't depend on God. They depend on their intellect. But friend, I'm making a confession. You're looking at a boy that can say nothing and can do nothing, that knows no words and wouldn't even dare to stand up here if I didn't think that God Almighty was going to use this human body and my voice to proclaim His Word and proclaim His power. Sure, I'm a turkey. If that's defined as people that don't remotely feel the bill, square pigs and round holes, then I'm a turkey. And Jesus sure got himself a bunch of turkeys at that time for his disciples. But he loved them. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah, he loved them. Hallelujah. He didn't care what they looked like. He didn't care what people said about them. He didn't care people's attitude about them. He loved them. And he prayed a prayer so sweet as he said, Father, I'm leaving this world, but they're going to be here. Now keep them. Keep them. Did you know he prayed for us to be kept? Hallelujah. Friend, I've got confidence in that man's prayer. It may be centuries old, but I feel like he prayed it for me. I feel like if he did, then God Almighty is going to keep me. Despite their rashness, despite their brashness, despite their impetuousness and their selfishness and their lack of faith and their blindness. You see, all of these were attributes of individuals that followed Jesus and those who was praying for. You followed them and these were all human nature that had showed up in them. They were rash, Peter was brash. 
He was impetuous, along with selfish, lack of faith, blindness, arguing over who's going to be the greatest, and all of these had remembered Jesus and already chosen them. Mm -hmm. This was just human nature showing truth. Right. But Jesus right. prayed for them. He said, you may be a bunch of turkeys, but I'm going to set you in a world. And I'm going to confound the world. Notice his prayer for them. Now I want you to notice this. He didn't pray for better equipped disciples for replacement. Amen. He gave thanks for who he had. I've heard it said, I've been around a little bit, I've heard it said by saints, well, I'm just doing this till somebody better comes along. I don't like that. No. I don't like that at all. I don't think that's what we do. God calls us and he puts us someplace then he knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's going to give us the attributes and the abilities to fulfill that beyond. And so he didn't pray, pray for replacements. He didn't stand up and say, Oh, God, look what a bunch of turkeys you give me. My Lord, what can I do with them? He just said, Thank God for who I have. I'm trying to tell you something. Amen. I'm trying to tell you that God is giving thanks for you. We may not feel like we feel the bill. God's told us to be witnesses. How can we? God's told us to speak to kings or beggars. How can we? Sure, sometimes it's one step forward, two back, but mostly it's two ahead. I mean, we advance. Not as fast as we ought to, but we advance. More than anything else, these boys got the job done. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. That's what's important. Who can get the job done? Can we get the job done? Come on. Amen. He thinks you can. Come I'm going to say this brazenly, maybe, but it's not happenstance. That God has called any of you and set you here. You see, the Bible says He places us in the body of Christ as it pleases Him. Amen. And He also does that in local churches, calls us, heals us, sets us in a local body as it pleases him and he says there's a job to do and I feel like you can get the job done. Come on. Of course naturally we look at him and say but Lord just look, look at so and so there. They could do a much better job than I can. Well I can say that too. Mm -hmm. Look at so and so. You can get you somebody to do a lot better job than I can. You can get you a young man that's energetic and can play good music and sing good and inspire individuals. But what are we talking about? What man thinks or what God thinks? Are we under God's direction or under man's feeble opinions? You see, once we're motivated by God's direction, and once we realize that what is happening in our midst, God has a hand in it and has a reason for it, then, brother, we can be submissive to Him and realize He knew 
And what he placed together could get the job done. He don't need replacements. Right. He's not praying for replacements here at Bird no. Ranch. No, no. No, he's not. Now, just what I'm getting at. Now, what I'm getting at is this. There's not a church that doesn't need new blood. That's right. Amen? Amen. I mean, you, there's just something about a baby being born that <laughs> does something to you yes, in the natural. It does. Yes, it does. I mean, it, 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 well, it makes you feel young after a while, and then it makes you feel old. But, I mean, it's never the same. You always got a feeling of rejoicing inside because the child is in born. It's the same thing in the church. It enthuses us. But because we need new blood in the church, it's not because when they come they can do a better job than we can. It's because Jesus loves them. And he's trying to reach them. It's not because they're professional and can do a better job than any of us. Jesus wants us where we are, doing what we are, and inspiring others to know Jesus. Amen. So if we're waiting around here for somebody to come in and take our job over that's more professional than we are, that's the height of folly. I mean, get off of your duff and do what God told you to do. Amen? Is that all right? And quit waiting for God to send a replacement in there. Whenever He sends somebody in, it's not a replacement, it's an addition. Amen. And realize God puts you here for some reason. Well, that's up to you and God to find that. Right. But you're here for some reason. If nothing else, only to find your seat in all but it's far more than that. Oh, yes, yeah. it is. Far yes, more than is. that. God isn't saying, what a bunch of turkeys i got to work with. I need some other people. They can't get the job done. God's not saying that. God's not saying I need more dedicated, more professional people. I need more trained voices. I need better kind of players. I need better Sunday school teachers, better elders, better pastors, better tithe payers. He isn't saying that. What he's saying is, look, you can do the job. You may be a turkey, but you can do the job. Amen. You may look odd. People might not think there's any way you can, but you can do the job. Amen. That's what he's trying to say. God doesn't send or get replacement. He don't send us back for exchange. Right. Right. He means that when he cleans you up, you feel clean. All right. Hallelujah. The blood washes you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Then you submit yourself in baptism in His name. And then you stay until you receive the power of the Holy Ghost. And He means it. Yes. Yes. And He puts you in a seat and says, Hey, you belong here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What bothers me, and I might as well tell you, what bothers me, the individuals that just get mad over some little something say, I'll just leave the church. As if we had some... Uh, some as if we could just do this. A lot of people do do it, but it's not God-ordained. Hear me? That's right. I mean, a lot of people come and go as they please, but it's not God-ordained. When God places you there, I'm going to use a scripture that is used in marriages, but it wasn't meant for that alone. And it says, what God 
hath joined together, let no man put asunder. He's talking about the body of Christ. Oh, yes, he is. I realize it's for marriage. I realize it says that, but the deeper meaning is what he has doing together, what he has placed in the text. The formulation of his body, let no man, let no thought, no idea or no opinion put that asunder. You have no right, and neither do I, to decide when we leave a church and when we don't. We have no right to decide which church we go to. God directs our footsteps and places us there. And brother, to stay under the safety of God, we ought to get under his umbrella and stay there and realize we're here for a reason. Amen. And friend, that reason is to stand straight and tall before the community of Birdside and every place else and declare Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Let the old-time gospel message sound aloud again. And reach out. He gave thanks for the turkeys he'd gotten from the world. Hallelujah. Odd as it might seem, we turkeys are the right ones for the right place right here. That's why things will work. It's because God has been the author of it. And remember this, God is not the author of confusion. True. Amen. Come on. So let's talk, stop talking about replacing our Hallelujah. He looked out over us mm-hmm. and he saw our failures clearer than anybody else. He saw us yes, when we were despairing. He saw us when we were hurt. He saw us when we were angry. He saw us when we were downcast and downhearted. He watched us as we spewed a little bit. And he still looked. Amen. And he still prayed for us. And he still said, you can do the job. Yes. Because that's what I've called you for. Amen. Oh, friend, we need every piece here. We need to have them feel so much that we can knock out a wall and put him in the That's right. But whatever new blood comes into this church, it's not for them to take over what God has given you to do. True. It's because Jesus loves him. And he wants yeah. to add to the church thing. Let's take our position. And let's be glad that God has called us. And let's care not, in the world's team terminology, so to speak, if we are turkeys. If we don't fit the bill, we are crude. Realize this. The only thing that you ever get to John yeah. is God's holy God. Yes. Yes. Some way it needs to control us. Some way it needs to have its right of in our life. Some way we need to say, God, I accept. Let's say I do too. I accept. You call me, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. You've got me. 
God doesn't speak the same to everyone. God wants to call everybody for the same job. He has called you here and placed you here for a reason. God helps to accept the yes Lord. It may seem small, it may seem insignificant. It may seem it's no value. But what was it he said when he was talking about the body? Those parts that seem to have less honor are more honorable. Maybe we'll never notice. Could be the bottom of the foot, nobody over here. But that's what the body stands. Can you worship people? Can you just tell him Lord? I really want to do. I really want to find my niche. I really want to God and I want this prayer of dismissal if you just get in. I like for the body to get close. Just kind of get her in and get as close as you can. Maybe if we could just have just a little bit of music if somebody could just make a music to Maybe just have a song as we worship God and nestle in. Nestle in. Hallelujah.